Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. Romans chapter 4, reading from verse number 1. If you have your Bibles, please let's open. Verse 1. Say, what then? What then shall we say? That Abraham our father had found according to the flesh. For if Abraham was justified by work, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who walks, the wages are not counted as great, but as a debt. But to him who does not walk, but believes on God, but believes on whom who justifies the ungodly. His faith is accounted for righteousness. Just as David who also described the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. Verse number 9. Does this blessedness that come upon the circumcised only or upon the uncircumcised also? For we say that faith was counted to Abraham for righteousness. How then was it accounted? While he was circumcised or uncircumcised? Not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had while still uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all those who believe, though they are uncircumcised. That righteousness might be imputed to them also and the father of circum- and for and the father of the circumcision to those who not only are of the circumcision but also but who also walk in the steps of faith which our father Abraham had while still uncircumcised for the promise that he would for the promise that he would be the that will be the heir of the world was not to Abraham to all to his seed through the law but through the righteousness of faith For if those who are of the law are here, faith is made void, and the promise made of no effect. But because the law brings about wrath, for where there is no law, there is no transgression. May the Lord bless the reading of his words in Jesus' name. There is a way that we can be saved, and there is a way that we cannot be saved. Okay? Paul argued that you cannot be saved by the works of the law. In other words, if you no, no matter how hard you try to obey the laws of God, it is never going to make you. You know, it's, not, it's never going to bring you to the point of salvation. Point was, Paul was arguing number two that you can never be saved by human effort. Paul was arguing number three that by works of righteousness you can never stand justified in the presence of the Almighty God. And last week, Paul we saw that Paul argued that by our good deeds. Salvation is going to be an illusion. 
In other words, Paul is saying, no matter what you do, no matter what you do, you cannot earn the love of God. No matter how hard you try, you will always fall short. No matter the level of your piety and your righteousness, we are still going to be found wanting. So basically, Paul was saying that the only way we can please God is when we come to him by way of Jesus Christ. He said the only way to salvation is when you believe, when you have faith in the finished work of our Lord Jesus Christ that was, called, that was done for us on the cross of Calvary. The only way is to be able to come surrendering at the foot of that cross. That was the argument that we closed with last time. And the evidence. So the thing is, as we enter chapter number 4, Paul is now providing evidence, not just from the New Testament, but from the Old Testament, of the existence of this particular doctrine of grace. The doctrine of the salvation that comes by faith. Paul is now providing evidence for that particular doctrine right from the Old Testament. And in the first eight verses of of Romans chapter 4, Paul provided evidence from the Old Testament for his doctrine of salvation by faith using the lives of two Old Testament characters. And using the life of Abraham and David as evidence for justification, Paul highlighted two aspects of the doctrine of justification that most people do not pay attention to or that we gloss over. These two aspects, I want to call them the positive and the negative aspect of the justification of the aspect of justification. And as an example of the positive aspect, Paul the Apostle gave us an example of Abraham, used Abraham as an example. If you read from verse number one, the Bible says, What shall we say? That Abraham our father has found according to the flesh. In other words, Paul is basically asking his audience a question. Paul is saying, what is the basis for which Abraham was found right standing with the almighty God? In other words, from your own thinking, from your own understanding, how do you think that Abraham became right with the almighty God? Was it because of something? Was it because that uh, anything that the, the things that Abraham did? Was it because Abraham obeyed everything that a good Jew should obey? Was that the reason why why it was right with the almighty God? Was it because everything, everything, every, Abraham did everything right in the presence of the almighty God? Is that why Abraham was right with God? Paul the apostle said no. Paul was saying that well, Abraham was right with God because Abraham believed God. And God counted the faith that Abraham had to be right for righteousness. Paul is saying that, that you know, it was because of the faith of Abraham that was why God himself counted Abraham to be righteous. If you look at verse number 2, and that was exactly what he was saying in verse number 2. He said, if Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not, be, not before God. In other words, if Abraham was had a right standing with God because of what Abraham did, based on what Abraham did, based on Abraham's faithfulness, based on Abraham's uh, ability to obey the voice of God, if that was the basis of his righteousness, Abraham can boast. Abraham can tell people and say, yes, this is what I did. To gain the favor of God. This is what I did to become right with God. These are the things that I did. These are the steps that I took that made God become good. My, that God made God to become my friend. These are the things that Abraham can boast. That because I'm a good man, that's why I'm standing right with the Almighty God. But the Bible makes us to understand that his right standing with God, 
His right standing with God was not because of what Abraham did. Look at verse number 3. The Bible says, for what does the scripture say? In other words, what was this? What was the documentation of scripture? The Bible says that Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. In other words, what Abraham enjoyed with God, the right standing he had with God, was not because of what Abraham did. The right standing Abraham had with God was not because he checked all the right marks. The right standing that Abraham enjoyed with God was because he had faith in the Almighty God. He trusted the Almighty God. He acted on faith. He walked with God on faith. And because of the faith of Abraham, that is the faith, because of the faith that Abraham had in God, Paul was saying the whole relationship that God had with him, all the blessings that Abraham enjoyed, was based on that fact that Abraham had faith, trusted in the Almighty God. Abraham standing with God was simply based on faith. If you look at verse number four and five, verse number four and five, the Bible says, "Now to him who walks." The wages are not counted as grace, but as a debt. But to him who does not walk, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted unto righteousness. In other words, Paul is saying, if Abraham's right standing was based on what Abraham did, it was no longer called grace. In other words, if all that Abraham enjoyed was because of what Abraham did. You can no longer call it great because Abraham had already worked for it. Abraham had already done something for it. And because he had done something for it, it will now be called a wages. It's a reward for what he has done. But grace is something that he did not merit. It's something that he did not work for. It's something that he did not earn. A reward that if it is based on what Abraham did, it will be based on the reward of his action. In other words, Paul is saying, righteousness of Abraham is because of his faith, not because of the actions or the things that Abraham did. Abraham's faith, which is what God used to justify him, was based on faith. God credited Abraham's faith and counted it as righteousness. The whole point of grace that Paul was trying to teach was that God credits something to you that you otherwise... Do not have the ability to get for yourself. That's basically what Paul is trying to say. That Abraham got everything he got. Not because he had the ability to get it. Not because he had the ability to please God. But because God's willingness to release it unto him. Because Abraham was willing to trust him in faith. That is the positive aspect. God imputing something to you. That you yourself could not ordinarily have acquired by yourself. Now the negative aspect. If you get to verse number 6, Paul now introduces the flip side of grace. Okay? He introduces the flip side of justification, which is the fact that God does not count against you what he should have counted against you. So great, when you talk about justification, it's in two aspects. The first aspect is that he puts something in your life that you yourself could not ordinarily have received. The second thing is that he takes something away from your life that you yourself cannot ordinarily take away. So he uses Abraham to, to, to explain the first aspect of grace, which is the positive aspect, putting something into your life. And then uses David as an example of the negative aspect of taking something away from your life. So if you read verse number 6, verse number 6 of Romans chapter 4, Bible makes us to understand. Just as David also described the blessedness of the man 
to whom God imputes righteousness apart from work. Verse number seven: Blessed are those whose uh, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven, and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom God shall not impute sin. In other words, Paul is saying here. Is making the same argument that salvation comes by by grace, that the grace of God comes by faith. Okay, but in this time, Paul is saying the right standing that David had with God is not because of faith or the faith of David alone, but because God chose chose to credit David's sin. God chose not to credit David's sin against David's account. God understood that David had sinned. God understood. That David had cheated, you know, had killed another man, you know, had taken another man's wife and attempted to kill him. God hated the sin that David committed with Bathsheba. God especially hated the sin of the attempt of David to cover that particular sin. But grace showed up in the life of David when God decided not to count that sin against him, but to forgive him. So you see, there are two aspects of this justification now. In the case of Abraham, God added something to his life by virtue of faith. In the case of David, God took away something from his life by virtue of that same grace. So two different aspects. Faith of adding grace, faith of not imputing your sins. So justification does two things in our life. I want you to keep that in mind. Justification does two things in our life. Number one, it credits to your account what you do not have. That is the righteousness of God. He credits it into your account. As soon as you walk with the Almighty God, you believe in the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. You are told that you are justified by faith. You are brought into the kingdom. You are brought into the family of the Almighty God. And God now puts into your account what you will never be able to earn, which is His righteousness. Then the flip side of it is that as soon as He brings you into, into into His own family, that same justification does the second thing. It takes away from your account the sin that is supposed to destroy you. It takes it away. The forgiveness of God is given unto you at that point in time. So the first thing is that He puts the righteousness of Christ into your life. It takes away the sin that is supposed to destroy you. It takes it out of your life. So justification puts upon you the righteousness of God. Justification takes away the, the condemnation of sin from your life. So that when you come to Christ, you give, God gives you the righteousness of Christ. And God takes away your sins so that you stand before Him as clean, as pure, as a new creation, a new creation without, you know, without any form of blemish in His presence. When He sees you, He sees Christ in you. God has credited to your account the righteousness of Christ and has taken away your debt of sin. That is all Paul was trying to say from verse 1 to verse number 8 of Romans chapter 4. The question now is that who qualifies for this particular benefit that Paul is saying? Who qualifies from that imputing of the righteousness and the taking away of the sin? Who are the people that qualifies for it? Let's start reading from verse number 9. The Bible tells us in verse number 9. Does this blessedness, does this blessedness then come upon the circumcised only or upon the uncircumcised also? For we say that faith was accounted unto Abraham, accounted to Abraham for righteousness. In other words, Paul is asking the question: 
When we talk about the imputing of the righteousness of God of, into your life, when we talk about the taking away of the debt of sin by the, by, the, by, the, by the sacrifice of Christ Jesus on the cross of Calvary, who are the people that are qualified for it? Are those the people who are the children of Abraham by, by reason of being a Jew? Are they are, are, are only the, circumcision, uh, the people who are circumcised? Are they the only people who are qualified for this? And Paul is saying no. Paul is saying no. Everybody qualifies for this. That's the argument of Paul the Apostle. It is not only for those who are circumcised. It is not only for those who are called the Jews. It is not only for those who can trace their lineage to Abraham. It is for everyone. And Paul is simple. And in verse number 10, Paul now followed up by asking, How then was it accounted? While he was circumcised or uncircumcised? Not while circumcised, but uncircumcised. In other words, Paul is saying, How are you able to figure this out? How do we know that this particular grace of justification is open to everybody? How do we know that only, not only the Jews, but the Gentiles are qualified to be able to enjoy this benefit? He said, how do we know? How did we come to that conclusion? How did we figure that one out? And that was what he was saying in verse number 10. He said, we know this because the righteousness that Abraham enjoyed. Abraham did not enjoy it when Abraham was circumcised. No. He said Abraham started enjoying the benefit even before he was circumcised. If you read Genesis chapter 15, you will see it there. Abraham received the promise of heaven before he was circumcised. It was after that particular, it was after he has enjoyed the promise of God. It was later that he now got that particular promise to become circumcised. So Paul is saying that the blessing of heaven, the blessing of justification, is not limited to a group of people. It's not limited to a particular kind of individual. It's not limited to a certain group of people, or a certain race, or a certain color of people. It's open to everybody. And that was what he started saying in verse number 11. If you start reading from verse 11, he said, And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had while he was still uncircumcised. In other words, he received the blessings of heaven even while he was still uncircumcised. That he might be the father of all those who believe, though they were uncircumcised, that righteousness may be imputed to them also. In other words, because God gave that particular promise to him while he was still uncircumcised, Abraham now gave the assurance to all of us who are not part of his race, but to all who are Gentiles also. That's what verse number 11 is saying. And then verse number 12 is saying, and the father of the circumcision to those who not only are the circumcision, but also walk in the steps of uh, the step of the faith which our father Abraham had while he was uncircumcised. For the promise that he would be the of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law but through the righteousness of faith. In other words, God did not promise Abraham the blessings that they promised him. Abraham did not enjoy the blessing that he enjoyed because he fulfilled any law. He did not enjoy it because he signed any particular contract. He enjoyed it because he was under faith. He believed the Almighty God. And for those who are born, they are born of the law, who are heir, faith is made void and promise. And the promise is made of no effect because the law brings about wrong. For where there is no law, there is no transgression. In other words, he's saying that if Abraham got all these things that we read about him through the law, then the promise of God is useless because that promise did not. That promise was based on faith, not on the law. That's what that's what Paul the apostle is asking. Is is arguing here. He's saying righteous. The this righteousness that Abraham enjoyed is not exclusive to the Jew. 
It is not reserved for only those who are circumcised. It is available to everyone. It is available to all those who come to Christ, who come to God in faith. Paul supported his arguments, his position by pointing to the fact that by, by pointing to the fact that Abraham received this blessing of God when he was still uncircumcised. God accepted Abraham's faith and counted it for righteousness even when Abraham had not received the instruction for circumcision. In other words, that's what the Bible tells us. While we are yet sinners, God already loved us. So the door is open for everybody. The door is open for everybody who will come in by faith. Paul is saying, Abraham was not blessed because he was circumcised. Just like you are not blessed by just coming to church. Abraham was not blessed because, you know, he obeyed one particular law. Just like you are not just blessed, you do not enjoy the benefit of heaven just because you are, active, you, are, you, are, you are participating in any particular activity. The fact that you are coming to church does not mean that your faith is going to grant you salvation. That's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying that you only enjoy the benefit of heaven when you walk with the Almighty God in faith. If trusted... If you trust in any other thing, you are going to be disappointed. The question this evening is that, why is Paul emphasizing this point of justification by faith? Why? I'll give you the historical aspect and then give you how it applies to us today. Paul was emphasizing this point, number one, because he was writing to a divided church at Rome. If you remember our very first installment of this particular study, we said that Paul was writing this letter to the church in Rome that had both a Jewish population and a Gentile population. And because both of them were at each other's throat, Paul was writing a letter to be able to bridge that gap. So that was why he was emphasizing that particular need for justification by faith. Paul was emphasizing this need because he was trying to establish that the Jews are the Gentiles are the same in the eyes of the Almighty God. It doesn't matter whether you are a Jew, whether you are whether you are a Gentile. Paul is saying you are the same in the eyes of God. As long as you are walking with Him in faith, you are the same. Paul was trying to debunk the notion that because Jews are circumcised, somehow they are special and they do not need the righteousness that comes by faith. Paul is saying there is no favorite with the Almighty God. The fact that you are a Jew, the fact that you can trace your lineage to Abraham, does not make you special. Unless what makes you special is when you walk with the Almighty God in faith, and Paul was trying to debunk that notion in the mind of the Jewish in the mind of the Jewish Christian. Number three, number four, Paul was trying to tell the Gentile that you don't need to become a Jew in order to be accepted by God. Because the idea, there were people who were peddling at that point in time that anybody who comes into the faith must first of all go through circumcision for them to be accepted. And Paul is saying, No, you don't need it. If you are circumcised and you are not living right, you will not be accepted by God. If you are uncircumcised and you are living right, you will be accepted by Paul. That was what Paul was trying to let the people know. That your circumcision does not mean anything if you do not walk with the Almighty God. He was trying to tell the Jewish, the, the Gentile Christian in Rome that they do not need to become Christian in order to be accepted by God. They do not need to be circumcised in order to become a part of in order to become part of the body of Christ, our standing with God, Paul was saying to that to those Jewish to those Gentile Christians, our standing with God is a function of our faith, not a function of our works, not a function of what we have done, not a function of our righteousness, not a function of the group that we belong to, the circumcision that we have undergone, but it's a function of your faith, and that is still true up till today. Our work with God is not a function of the church we belong to. Or our affiliation to a particular minister. Or our activity in church. 
It is a function of your walk with the Almighty God, your faith with the Almighty God. And the question is, why is this particular thing important? Why is it important for you to know this? It is important for you to know this because you must understand your right standing with God is based on faith. And that is what you should work on. Not on the things that go, not on your activity in church. It is good to be involved. It is good to be active. It is good to do the ceremonial thing. But you must make sure that your faith in God is well placed. Number two. Why it is important? It is important because your right standing with God is not a function of the laws or the ordinances that you obey. It has nothing to do with how much whether you obey the Sabbath or you don't obey the Sabbath. It is good to obey the law, but your heart must be right with God for those things to become meaningful. Number three, why is it important? It is important because your faith in God is revealed in the way you live. The action you take on a daily basis, not your claim, not your pedigree, not the people that you are related to. Related to. And this was the mistakes of the Jews. Because they felt that because they were children of Abraham, they were the ones that were given the laws of God. They were the ones that had received the oracle of God. He said they now believed that they were exempt from obeying the law. And Paul the apostle said, for you to be justified by faith, it doesn't matter whether you are directly from the lineage of Abraham. You have to be walk with the almighty God through faith. And that is why it is important. What you do for God is not, the me- it's not measured in activity. It's not measured in how much of your power, how much of your body that you give. If you read the book of 2 Corinthians 13, or First Corinthians 13, one of the 13, where they were talking about love. See, if I give my body to be burned and I do not have love, then what? I've just succeeded in you know, making myself a good barbecue. The point is that your faith is what determines your work with the Almighty God. And that is why it is important. And that is why we must be very careful when it comes to this issue of grace. Because cheap grace, Paul the Apostle did not preach any cheap grace. He was only telling them that it is by grace that you come in. But that grace is not cheap. That grace cost the Lord Jesus Christ his life. So grace that we're talking about here is not a cheap grace. Abraham had to live a life that is accompanied by faith action. Your life must correspond by with what, to what you are saying. That's what, that's what Paul the Apostle was telling these particular people at Rome. That yes, it is by grace. But that grace must be accompanied by the lifestyle that you are living. It must be accompanied by obedience. And finally, what we're saying here is important because... Faith is meaningless if it is not accompanied by a corresponding lifestyle. Your life must exemplify the things that you are professing. Abraham's life accompanied, you know, corresponded to the life, to the Abraham's lifestyle corresponded to the way to the to the to the faith that he had with the Almighty God. The Bible says that he believed that God was able to raise even that promise. If he if he were to sacrifice Isaac, Abraham, the, the, the faith of Abraham was that he believed that God was able to do the impossible and he lived accordingly. He was willing to let it go. It was not just a profession. It was a lifestyle for him. And Paul the Apostle is saying here to us tonight that if you're, if, if you're going to experience the benefit of uh, the, the, the blessings of the justification that comes by faith, your faith must align with your work. Your profession must be the same thing as your, as your action, as, the, as your lifestyle. And that is why these things are important. That is why this chapter is very, very important for us. It is important because we need to understand that when you align these things properly, then it centers your faith. You are able to keep what is important, important. You are able to keep the first things firm. It focuses your attention on the Almighty God, not 
on ourselves. It helps us to abandon the vain works of the flesh and to focus on the faith action that moves us closer to God. The question this evening is what are we trusting our faith on? Yes, we say we are born again. Yes, we say that we have been associated with the Almighty God. But where does our true trust rest on? Does it, is it built on the finished work of our Lord Jesus Christ? Or do we think that we can manipulate our way in the kingdom of God by the things that we do, by the way that we bribe the Almighty God? You give $10 and you expect to get 100 Is that the mentality? Or is our profession accompanied by our action? Are they, in, are they in line? Is there a kind of an alignment between what we say and what we do? This is what Paul is trying to let us let the people understand. The fact that you are a child of Abraham does not exempt you from the faith. The fact that you are attending church does not mean that you are going to get secure your salvation through that. The only way you secure your salvation is by your faith in the Almighty God. And your faith must correspond with the way that you live. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening.